everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Rocardia. So I've got a question for you. How are you waking up these mornings? How does that go for you? How do you feel? What are the thoughts? What are some of the first actions you do? Essentially, how does your day begin? And the reason I'm asking today, as the title might have already indicated strongly, is I want to talk a little bit about the blues. And in this case, because I think that's what is on our minds for many of us, the pandemic blues. This is not going to be a discussion of clinical depression or the ongoing depression. I know this one also, when you just sort of stop crying altogether and you sort of freeze, you get very lethargic, you can't get out of bed. It's not the one that just freezes you in what feels like time and space and in your body. This, to me, and this is my very personal experience, guys, I'm not a doctor, so obviously if you're struggling with this in a way that it's interfering with your life a lot, clearly you want to get professional help. That's what I did back in the day, and it was really, really useful. So this is not that kind of depression. This, for me personally, is more about the reaction to an ongoing crisis that preoccupies, really, the whole world, and for the first time probably in the living memory of most of us. When I ask myself, how do I wake up these days, then I have to admit, oftentimes I rush. I have a rush of anxiety. It's not like a full-on panic attack. It's more sort of a low-grade alertness that comes on right when I've woken up. And you know, I say this half-jokingly, but a good morning is when I'm in a bad mood sometimes because at least I'm energized. And usually my yoga practice or my running, whatever it is I do, and we'll get back to those later, will fix the sort of meanness that I have. Like I'll have very mean thoughts towards myself, towards others. I don't really know what's going on. What are we doing here? How long is this going to go on? And before I know it, I'm in such a horrible mood that I have to spend quite a few minutes maybe hours, and coffee helps me personally, but to just get back into a sort of, I want to call it civilized and kind mindset. And on other mornings, when I don't get to switch the energy around as well, I just feel like there's a veil that's been placed over my eyes, over my head, and everything feels hazy, very, very confusing. And the only way I can describe it is if have you ever had a dream where you keep reaching for someone or something, but you can't quite get there? It seems to be within reach, but you won't get it. And that's sometimes the mood I've been having. And I've been talking to a lot of my friends and family and asking them, you know, how are you doing right now? Do you also get this feeling that you're sort of living as if under a Tupperware, as Bill Bryson once said in one of his books, because that's how I feel a lot. So that even when something lovely happens, something that would be very objectively considered joyful, the joy doesn't seem to reach my cells. It hasn't really been easy to reconcile two things, which is on the one hand, everything, I'm in Berlin in Germany, has been reopening. There is life returning to cafes, to museums, to the streets. But the streets are much emptier than they normally would be in a summer in Berlin. It's also, see, that's the thing. I struggle to find language around this 
this veil. That's all I can keep using is it's hard to understand what is going on. Are we all in a bit of a holding position right now? Because we're not really sure what's going to happen in the fall, what's going to happen with the pandemic, what's going to happen with us, essentially. I like to fix things. <laughs> I've mentioned this a lot in this podcast. So I have been trying to figure out tools that really, at least temporarily or for the time being, work for me. One thing I have to say that I've been consistent about these last couple of months, because I was getting so desperate to just feel to just feel myself again, essentially, that I have decided to have a bit of a more vigorous physical practice. So what I do is I go running sometimes, which anyone who knows me knows I really don't like normally, but it's been such a game changer for me. So I just stick my headphones into my ears. I put on a podcast uh, for the running. I guess I want the company too, but it's also lovely to just learn something while I'm running. That's me forever, the Virgo influence, trying to optimize processes. So that's what I do. I get physical. I get out and I run. I've even started to do those, I don't even know what they're called, but those exercises that make your arms look really strong. <laughs> so I've been doing those. And on mornings when I don't feel a lot of energy, which can happen quite frequently, I do what is called a yin yoga practice. You yogis will know what this is. For everyone else, it's a much slower yoga practice. Anyone can do it. You'll find plenty of guidance online or you can hop onto Gaia.com. I think I did some videos on yin yoga there as well just to really get into your body so that this circuit in your head, the one I described earlier of thought after thought after thought, and all of them suck, that that can be disrupted. Because any of these things now, if we slip into a habit of feeling the blues, of feeling lonely and anxious and overall confused, then it's good to sort of get out of that, that loop there. And speaking of getting out, for me, getting out of the house has been key. So I work from home a lot now, as I think many people do, still do. Even if offices are asking employees and stuff to come back, I'm a freelancer, so I can do a lot from home. And I've noticed this is not good for me. After a while, I start to get a little bit morbid because now I'm making my second coffee and I'm going through motions that I'm doing every day. And this really does a number on my mental health, I've noticed. So for me, like yesterday, I was sitting down, I was trying to put together a chapter on something I was writing on. And I was like, oh, it's not coming. It's not like the ideas weren't coming, but I could not be bothered. I could not sit down there for a moment longer. And so I listened in real quick. I'm like, well, what is it my body needs right now? It's clearly telling me it's not needing me to sit at a desk. It was like, no, just go out, just get out. And so that's what I did. I got out of the house. Sometimes I run errands. Sometimes I just take a walk. I don't really have an, a goal or, or a place I'm going to be going specifically, but just to sort of break up this loop and break up the energy. Because again, when we feel the blues, when we feel anxious, it's because we've been here many, many times before. So our body remembers this really well, just like muscle memory, it will also remember this. And so then for the whole system to slip into it is really, really easy and quick. There is a time window during which we can interfere. And we want to be getting really good at recognizing that so that when the body 
or the mind rather, is about to slip into, I don't really know, I'm so confused. Do I want coffee? Am I even hungry? Whatever it is, getting out of that and getting out of the house has proven to be really, really helpful for me. Another thing is we're reading about this a lot is to stay off the phone and to actually meet people. So I've gotten really tired of being in phone calls, even with my dearest friends. I find it so stressful to constantly be updating each other because a lot of them don't always live in Berlin. They divide their time between their home places and here and just constantly being on the phone, updating people on all the highlights and lowlights, it's too much. At some point, it's like, I just want to see this person. I just want to not have to talk, but be in their presence. So I don't speak on the phone as much anymore. These are very good friends. I'm not worried about losing contact. And we do speak occasionally, but I've limited these kind of longer conversations to one, maybe two a day. And that's it. No more than that. And instead, what I've been doing and what's been happening for some reason is people from my past have suddenly shown up just shooting me a message. Hey, Ricardia, how are you doing in these crazy times? And I've already begun and I will continue to do this. These aren't close friends, obviously. I haven't seen them in a while. But they're people I like. They're people from my life that I just lost a little bit of contact with. So I've decided I'm going to meet up with them, actually meet outside in a safe place and just really engage in this way. Maybe we can't hug. Maybe we can't get particularly close, but we're having a real conversation with a flesh and blood person. Another thing is I just discovered this wonderful Indian restaurant around the corner. And these people are super, super nice. I've lived in this neighborhood for two and a half years. I've never sat down in that restaurant and certainly not talked to these people. And I'm like, that's kind of a little bit ignorant sometimes. Like, I've got this neighborhood... Why don't I get to know the coffee shop place a little better, the deli owner, whatever it is. It's just a casual two-minute conversation. It's not going to cost me a whole lot of time. But what it will do is create a sense, even if looser, not close-knit, but a sense of community. People are here. People in all their little lives doing all their little jobs. And we have ways to engage with each other. So I don't have to hold space. I don't have to engage them in some deep conversation. But I know this from my mom, who's Irish. And something that she misses very, very much is that she said, you know, you cannot stand in line at a post office in Ireland for longer than two minutes without somebody (laughs) striking up a conversation about whatever where you got your sweater, the weather, it doesn't matter. But they have these little spontaneous talks and then they part again. And it's been a nice half an hour where otherwise you would have just sat there or stood there and checked your phone. So I've always taken inspiration from what she says about that and try to sort of do that. And now I'm doing that even a little bit more. Another obvious one, maybe for some people, if you're really into nature, then just try to get out into nature, obviously, over the weekend. I'm going to be very honest because the beau is probably going to listen to this episode and laugh his ass off (laughs) because most of those who know me personally know I'm not the first one to scream, yes, please, when it comes time to sort of drive out into the country. I'm a total city girl. I lived in London, I lived in New York, now I live in Berlin. I'm not just a city girl, I'm a big city girl. So I don't necessarily go out into nature, but I know a lot of my friends love it. They go hiking, they've even, one of them 
has built a house in a very rural area now where I'm like, okay, so that's happening. And sometimes I think of that Sex in the City episode. I think it's that one where everyone's always asking each other, so what are you doing over the weekend? And it's usually going upstate. Anyway, getting off track here. So what do I do when I feel like, oh, no, I do really want to sort of be in a peaceful place is I've taken to returning to cemeteries. I used to do this way back when, and now I've been inspired to do it again. And I don't know, for some people, cemeteries, they creep them out. Me, not so much. I love it there. So cemeteries and then parks. So big, open, green places, that's my thing to do. And I just love it. And yesterday, I made sure nobody was watching me first because I'm always a little embarrassed. I actually hugged a tree at the cemetery. There's nothing wrong with tree huggers. It's just for me, I've tried it so many times. And I'm like, I don't feel anything. I mean, I'm happy this tree is here and I do everything in my personal power. No, I don't do everything. I should do more to conserve nature. But I just didn't have much of a reference point for it. But yesterday, don't tell anybody I told you this. (laughs) I hugged a tree and then I didn't want to let go. I'm like, oh my God, it's official. I've turned into one of those people now. So yes, you heard it here first. I hugged a tree and I loved it. And then I was returning to my bench. I was like, oh, I'm not done. So I went back to the tree and hugged it a little bit more. (laughs) So whatever it is that connects you to the greater picture, to nature, to understand that this blues we're feeling is an immediate thing and an emotional one. And that's what makes it temporary and not the truth. And that is, I think, where nature can help us or just developing a bigger picture. Another thing I've tried to pay attention to because I've noticed I've sort of brushed over it lately is that to still be vulnerable with my friends if I have them on the phone or I'm meeting them in person. I had temporarily gone to a mode where I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine because I just was so fucking tired of talking about what's going on, how confusing it is, and how it's a little bit nerve-wracking. So I would start to put up sort of this front of, of false bravery Sometimes that works. Sometimes it even tricks us into thinking, yes, things aren't so bad. And they're not so bad for us here in Germany. We have access to vaccinations. I mean, keep in mind, this is a very privileged sort of space I'm speaking from. But to still not put up this brave face when really you're crumbling inside. Call that one person. Call mom. Call whoever. Your sisters, your cousins, whoever it is for you. And be real still. Even if it gets so tiring to be so sad all the time. One thing that I've tried to practice, and I'll be very honest, I'm not succeeding horribly well, but it's something that I'm teaching myself to be in acceptance of. And that is to take a seat in the place of not knowing. What do I mean by that? I mean that a lot of things can't be known. We used to live under this illusion that a lot of things can be known that we can control a lot about our destiny, our presence, even if not our past, obviously. But now it really has become ever so evident that we can't. We don't know what is going to happen. Some of us are still raising small children. We're probably really confused as to how much information, what kind of information should we give them? How do we convey we as parents who in our children's eyes always seem to know everything How do we convey what we don't know, that we don't know, a lot of things? I don't have a small child anymore, but I'd be very curious to hear what your strategies as parents are. But one of the things that I've done as an adult 
for me in my life is to just understand that I can't know what is coming. I can plan as if things will be going according to plan. And I think that's a very healthy exercise, actually, is to have goals, have plans. But then to also at least a little bit try to be comfortable with the not knowing. And for me, that means getting into sort of a space. And I use yoga. I use a lot of pranayama, which if you're not a yogi, is yogic breathing to allow for this space where I don't have to decide that I know what's going on. So what I do with the breath exercises or the yoga is this is for now. And then the next asana, that's the figure that you make, the posture that you hold or the pose in yoga. And then that one comes. And then the one after that. And I don't have to know what comes next. All I'm asked to do is to surrender to that. And surrender used to be super hard for me. I'm a control freak. I like to control things going on in my relationships. I like to control my work. I like to be organized. I'm not, by the way. That's the funny part is I like to control things, but I'm totally not an organized person a lot of times. But to step away from that and be like, okay, fine, then I won't control it. And to be in a surrender mode for that. It's not easy. If we're any kind of A-type personality, this is probably the hardest tool of all the ones I'm naming today because it's so against our grain, right? We want to just grip tight. But one yoga teacher actually said to us once, and I love this, if both hands are holding tight, are holding on to something, how are you going to grab anything else? How will you physically and energetically be available to hold on to something else? And I thought that was pretty powerful. My last suggestion is something that I have been doing lately and that has given me a lot of reason to believe and acknowledge female strength. So I've been pulling up my female role models. I put a picture of my grandmother back on my altar and my granddad's next to her too because he's so handsome. He looks like Fred Astaire or he did. He's not among us anymore. Anyway, grandmother is back on my altar. I've been looking into the Hindu goddesses because that's something I personally relate to really well. There's also the Celtic goddesses, the Greek goddesses, of course, whoever it is for you. But look into female role models. They could also be living right now. Maybe you have role models that are still alive. Like for me, one of mine, a role model of strength really is my mother. And whoever that is for you, but examine maybe a little, what is it that makes these women strong in your eyes? What is that energy? What are some of the decisions that they made? What are some of the actions that they took that make you feel this is a very strong person? If you're lucky enough to have these kind of women in your lineage, great, because then you know that this strength flows through your veins. If it's a little more abstract, if it's a goddess or somebody far away, someone you haven't met, then still keep examining what is it you think is strong about them and then replicate it. And yes, you will have to fake it till you make it for a while. But if you're responding to that energy in that person, my guess is you don't because you've already got the seed for whatever strength you're seeing in this other person inside you. Connect to the strength of the women in your life. By the way, if you're male and listening to this, obviously, (laughs) you can also connect to guys and women also please connect to guys. It's just for me, for some reason, I feel encouraged when I see women standing up and taking charge. And one more thing, 
This came to me during a meditation at a cemetery, by the way, the other day. This cemetery is right next to a skateboard park. My son's a skater, so when I hear skateboard sounds, I get really, really happy and nostalgic, and it just makes me feel really good. Like, I love skateboard sounds. I just love it. It's such an urban thing. The whole skate crowd, this whole community, I just find it very, very, it seems to me, very inviting, very egalitarian even, and creative and alive essentially. So when I was meditating at the cemetery, I kept hearing the skateboard going up, sort of picking up. And then when they come back down from their jump, the roll, the rolls or the wheels land on the asphalt or concrete. So it keeps going on all the time. And this could technically totally bother you while you're meditating, right? But it didn't bother me at all. In fact, I just thought, how nice. Here's one person, me, meditating in the cemetery and just being quiet and drawing the senses back a little. But at the same time, there's all this life right here, right next to the cemetery. So here I am with the people who have passed on, if you will. But right next to that is life. And that's exactly what it is. One is always next to the other. One always contains the other. So in the quiet is also the loudness. In the small is the vastness. And next to, if you want to call it death, is life. And they each contain the other. And I think it's really important to keep reminding ourselves that we are, and this is hard for me sometimes, but we are indeed part of a much bigger picture. If you're not into spirituality a lot, just take a look at the stars in an astronomical sense. We're part of a bigger picture. And if you do feel more spiritually inclined, then you probably already know what I mean by that, or at least you know what you mean by that. So here's from my heart to yours. I hope you're finding coping mechanisms and people who can help you through this very strange time. And I would love to hear from you if you'd like to write to me. The address is bitchbreathe at gmail.com and the I in bitch is a number one. Otherwise, I've also got a Facebook group if you like. It's also called Bitch Breathe. Feel free to join us there. Until then, stay well. Sending lots of love. Bye.